Hey yo, here we go, another episode of We Talk Music on the Aaron in Your Ear. And once again, I am Monta and I got with me. He's the king of the casters. He's Mr. Brett Podcasting. Brett, uh, this is not only one of our favorite musicians, it's just one of our favorite people. So it's always a pleasure. That's mine right. as well. I mean, Thank we you very will, much. We'll never ever turn down the chance to talk to this gentleman. Uh, you know, we could we could pretty much do it daily. We, we, it's just like hanging out. So yeah. Uh, we got David Reese with us again, and David, you know, we love having you on because, like Martin said, one of our favorite people. Love talking about your music because, well, also, also we just love your music. So, thank you. I made my day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and this latest Bangalore Choir album, man, I uh, I love it. Like, uh, wow, I, I'm great. not here. I'm not here. I'm not saying that just because you're David Reese and you're on the show. I mean, this is like. I I was, you know, I think I've listened to it three times the last two days here. Uh, it's it maybe, I think it's my favorite work you've done since uh, Resilient Heart in 2018, which was uh, one of my favorite albums of wow. that decade. Um, wow. It's probably my favorite Bangalore Choir album since since uh, On Target, the debut. You know, it's, it's a very accessible album that shows the range of your voice. The maturity of your voice and how it's matured over the years and we kind of go back and listen <clears throat> and even listen to the live portion compared to you know the stuff on them like it's it's you know the writing is so good um who's who's in the band with you now like it, it looked like from the video a lot, a lot of young guys yeah i mean i'm really lucky i i live in a village called piacenza in italy i think i told you that before um yeah. there's a studio like 15 minutes from my house and Ricardo Di Marossi, who played bass and, and produced this record, it's right down the street. And I, I was, you know, COVID killed me because I was working with Mario Percadani in Hospital um, de Detto, which is like 45 minutes. Well, they shut that down in 2020. So I was in the middle of a production with him on some stuff. And then I was kind of in a panic because I needed to finish some work. So I went hunting and my wife works for the city and she goes, well, there's this place pretty close. So we went down there and met Ricardo. And, you know, when you meet people, you just kind of go click. You know, I like this guy. Yeah. I felt really yeah. comfortable around him. I didn't feel any, you know, diva, animosity, weirdness. And basically you know, I went in and started demoing ideas with him. And, and then he started showing me that he's actually a really good songwriter. And Giles Lavery, uh, who's now the president of Bravewood Brave Words Records, um, contacted me mm, about a year ago and said, uh, I want another Bangalore album, but we got to kind of go back to the roots. <clears throat> and I said, dude, that's 30 years ago. It's, that's tough. So I started fishing around with Ricardo and, and a couple of guys and going, you know, Back to Life, the first single, was about as close to Angel in Black that, that I could get, which actually Mario wrote the music for, and I just penned the lyric to it. It was sat fast. And my band is two brothers, uh, Nalo Savinelli and his brother Niccolo. Nalo is the drummer, who's also the drummer in Iron Allies now. Francesco had to step aside due to family issues, sadly. So Nalo played some festivals with us this summer, and the guys were like, wow, that guy's great. I said, I know. I've been playing solo gigs with him. He's amazing. So the, having the two brothers and Ricardo, I was like, last year we played uh, 
where you hear the live recordings on this album you're talking about, we headlined uh, Mark Paula in Hamburg on the Friday night. It was sold out. I got the headline. And uh, Saxon sound man, Jacqueline Mann, did this incredible sound check. And he looked at me and I saw these mics hanging in the room in this theater. And he said, you want to record the show? And I said, yeah, how much? And he gave me a price. I said, record it. <laughs> so pretty much everything on that is real uh, of that set. That's my band. And these guys, they're young. They're driven. Uh, I go to rehearsal with those guys. And this is no BS. I, I get there and they've already run the set twice. I sing the set once. It's like 90 minutes. It's enough for a voice, right? And then I say, hey, you guys want to go out and hang out and get a pizza or something? And they're like, no, we're going to stick around and rehearse the set a few more times. We we got to work some bugs out. <laughs> wow. I mean, most guys, you know, you're going, where's the where's the drummer? You know, you're sitting around for hours. They're hungry. And um, I'm just, I'm tickled to death. I mean, I couldn't get Kurt Mitchell to get off the couch. He's retired. Um, Ian Mayo contributed on this record, actually, though, from the old Bangalore, uh, Back to You. He wrote the music for that. I reached out to him. I said, you want to write? And he's like, eh, I'm kind of doing television now and stuff. But I got an idea. Uh, Jimmy Bell, um, I don't know if it's autograph anymore. I've been reading some stuff. But Jimmy contributed to a song. And then a, my friend, uh, Chris Chantola, he contributed some music. But, yeah, it's it seems to be... I'm hearing this a lot. People are going, hey, you kind of nailed it with it. And then I did the cover of Nazareth Love Hurts at the end. And originally I was going to do it in the, in the slow tempo. But then I said, let's double the time and see, give it that Billy Idol kick. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I went in there and sang it in one take. And Ricardo looked at me and goes, dude, I think that's a take. And I'm like, you think so? And I go, good, because my voice is blown. <laughs> I'd sang like a song already that day. <laughs> I said, let's try Love Hurts because it's so it's in outer space, you know, the range. And. He hit record and I just ran through it and he goes, man, I don't think we need to fix it. So, uh, yeah, we've done a lot of shows together with those guys. Uh, David Reese solo or David Reese and Bangalore choir. We've played Bulgaria, Germany, Switzerland. Um, and they're just a real joy, man. And they're just fun to be around. They're you know, nobody parties. They just want to play, you know. Niccolo is a little wild with the girls, which is fine. You know, he, the girls see him and they lose their mind. Uh, he actually is the musical director for the, like, we have a, a woman here. You probably never heard of her, but she's kind of like an Italian Beyonce. He's her guitar player and he's playing 70,000 seaters soccer fields. He's the musical director. Wow. And uh, he's, he's kind of like the, yeah, I'm scared somebody's going to hear him and take him from me because he's that good. <laughs> I wish him the best, but it could happen, you know. I mean, I actually sent him to Spread Eagle. We're searching for a European guy, and I recommended to DeLuca. Check out Niccolo. He, he could do the European leg for you guys. And he was, like, in the top three they were looking at. So I wanted him to, you know, get a chance to go tour a little bit when I'm not, you know. But I hope I answered your question, but that's who they are. I mean, they're just fantastic people. And Ricardo is young, hungry producer, him and I have written probably I actually just finished a new solo album guys <laughs> oh, yeah. I have I mean I wrote it with with uh, Ricardo I mean I him and I started I mean I've really been on a Chris Cornell kick the last couple of years believe it or not I love Chris Cornell and I love Sabbath and I like that 70s stuff so I kind of and he looked at me and went, oh, God, Chris Cornell, he comes from that generation, you know. 
So we just sit down and we plugged out about 20 tracks and there's 12 on it that I like. So right now I'm submitting it to labels, hopefully get a reasonable offer to release it. I don't know when it'll come out, but that's in the can too. Wow. We work nonstop. Nonstop. And I just finished Saturday. There's an artist named Stefano Viana in Italy, a guitar player. And uh, Francesco Giovino played drums on this. And I had sang all the songs. And then one day he called me and said, Dave, I think you can sing it better. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk, you know. And so he compensated me for it. So I just finished that Saturday afternoon with Mario Percadani. He wanted Mario because Mario is more of a pop guy. And I finished that record. I don't know if he has a record deal or what, but the songs are, I kind of listened back the other day with my wife and I said, you know, this would be a great Bangalore record. <laughs> she goes, you're right. Nice. You know, I said, and this is like, I, I didn't like it at first, you know, until I started re-singing it and going, really putting more into it and really doing the layers of harmonies with Mario because he's a psycho with that stuff. And I, I, I listened back and went, you know, this could be, huh. So maybe that's the next one. I don't know. But I've been a busy bee. <laughs> but I, I mean, you wouldn't want it any other way, right? I mean, that's... Well, there's that fine line, you know. You All these guys out there, you know, these haters on the keyboard warriors. Oh, Reese is doing this. Reese is doing that. You know what? I'm a working guy. And I could focus solely on myself. Or when the phone rings and they offer me a decent wage and, and I'm able to write the songs with them, why would I say no? And I mean, look yeah. at Jeff Scott Soto. I mean, Jeff's doing 10 different tours every year with different bands. And I mean, I, I completely admire him. Blaze Bailey, these guys nonstop, you know? I mean, it's like if the work's there, I'm going to take it if I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I kind of exactly. first, I, I, first, I mean, I'm not going to go whore myself out for, you know, a few hundred euros just to make a few bucks because then it, that, that hurts you, you know? Yeah, because your 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 voice is still your brand. I mean, that's the thing, right? You've got to you do have to protect your brand ultimately. Yeah, and you don't want to step too far out of the box. You know what what people expect from you. Um, now the Diana record I did is, I would put it up against you know Center Mass right now with a few tweaks here and there, but uh, yeah. I mean, Bangalore Choir, I mean, it's, I mean, that record, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, when I played Firefest in 2010, the rule was three original members have to be on the stage. So I convinced Curtis to get off the couch and Danny to get off the couch. And I had no idea how important that record was in the UK and Europe. I was told that my career was over. I mean, from the first song to the end, everybody sang along. And they were like, we've been waiting 19 years for this. I think I told you in the last one we did, if I'd known that, I would have put everybody on a plane and we would have slept on couches and gotten a van and just drove around Europe and played. Because, you know, grunge didn't really take effect until like 95 here. And only lasted for like a year. Uh, as opposed to America. Because mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. metal was is, is king in Europe, you know, and, and heavy AOR rock, it, it, it's it's the deal here. It, you know, we're not they're not as fashionable here today, gone later today, and in, in Europe as they are in America. You know, well, and that's Which, it. I mean, 
we we hear so much coming out of Europe of these bands that 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 have that that sound that genre and and I think you can have yourself an actual career in that case. It, it's getting more difficult. I mean, I won't mm. I won't bullshit anybody. It, it, um, the bottleneck created by COVID. I mean, as you can see, everybody and their mother is touring right now. Yeah, twenty twenty three has been inundated with shows. Every night there's a gig, and if let's say somebody told me a few weeks ago, Wasp and Michael Schenker were playing in Stuttgart, and down the street in another big venue is another big act. You know what I mean? It was in the same town, so. Who are we going to see? We saw Shanker last year, but we haven't seen Wasp for a couple of years. Let's go see Wasp. And so, you know what I mean? It was like kind of split. Whereas if they'd have had it on separate nights, I think it would have done better. But it's created. Now they're just doing the mop ups. You know, it's been a tough year. Fans are working, which I'm happy about. I'm working. So. Well, I mean, it's it's even in Calgary. Like, that's the one thing that I've noticed now is that the tours are coming here and they're they're coming a, like there's a lot of people like when i when i look at the uh when i look at my schedule it's just like oh that's a lot of music that i gotta go see yeah is frankie and johnny still open in calgary no no i think that one's been gone no. for like 20 wow. <laughs> 20 years what a, or something like what a club man God. <laughs> i remember we played there once and, and it, it was uh they had a a duo of strippers. They were twin sisters and they were called the Twisted Sisters. And they were the opening act. And it was complete <laughs> chaos. I mean, I'm a Montana cowboy. You got these Edmonton and, and Alberta cowboys. They're raising hell. And these girls doing their thing before we went on. I mean, they warmed up the crowd. <laughs> but I remember that distinctively. <laughs> it was it was fun. I mean, I always loved playing that place. Well, it's so yeah, funny. that place was something else. I mean, it's kind of one of those legendary places that you, you know, I mean, they, they just don't seem to last on, you know, and it's always sad that uh, when they go. Yeah, we've got a lot of those in Europe that have, the doors were closed in the last few years. Um, I heard in Detroit, Harpo's is still happening. I mean, that was always the the mecca. Oh, we're going to end in Detroit, you know, and then you pull up to this place with the big chain link fence around it and guys with Doberman security and they tell you, don't leave your car outside because it'll be on cinder blocks when you get done. So, you know, it's kind of a rough neighborhood, but when you open the doors, it was you just smell the history, you know what I mean? Ted, Alice, yeah. all those bands played there, the MC5. It was It's a rocking place. And a friend of mine told me a couple of days ago, it's still rocking. So, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's think difficult. Detroit, Detroit is the rock city, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Alice I think, just put out a new record. Yep, Road. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Just Old just minutes. got it on vinyl. All right. How is it? I haven't actually listened to it. Uh, my wife just grabbed it, uh, and so she's bringing it back. Cool. I see Udo's new album is doing really well. Mm. A lot of great reviews. Yeah. Well, kind of I, yeah. Bizarre. Was our album cover it kind of freaked me out? I was like, what? "Yeah, the yeah the <laughs> football thing." Yeah, I mean, and then they're all dressed in like the Pittsburgh Steelers uniforms, and so I thought, "What are you guys doing?" And then I listened to this track "Touchdown" and a few others, and I went, "Ah, this is pretty good. It's a grower, you know. It's Udo." Yes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I noticed that he's doing like I, I got excited because it's just like oh he's doing a, a North America US Canada tour and I'm like oh is he yep. coming back here and then it's just like no of course not 
Um, yeah, only the yeah. east side, right? He's going to yeah. be Montreal. Yeah, yeah, that's his route. So, well, I think, you know, that's the, the cover. Hmm? The uh, cover to center mass is pretty interesting too. What you know, the, the, the blue what's kind the of blue? the concept behind that? I don't know. I mean, the the original idea, guys. I was I kind of went off the rails. I. <laughs> I'm a, an avid shooter well, as much as I can in Europe. I, I, you know, I can't really practice and do all that, but um, the heart, right? So what I did was I found all these photos of uh, autopsies, <laughs> and I put, I, I, I imposed the, uh, the the reticle on the open cadaver, the heart, and I sent it to the record company, and they said. Have you lost your friggin' mind? I'm like, man, it's cool. And they're like, no, it's not. So this cat out of England, uh, Herbie is his name. Um, we said we got to kind of go back to the on-target vibe, the chick. So she's got the pistol. So he created the model. And uh, But my ideas were <laughs> outer space, dude. I mean, I probably would have. The woke the woke crowd would have come after me hard on that one, but I had this crazy idea, you know, and they were like, nope, 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 nope. You've lost your mind. This is too gory. It's not Bangalore Choir. This is a hard rock record melodic, you know, this is not gonna work. It's not, you know, goat whore or some of those <laughs> bands. <laughs> so I said, Yeah, okay, I get your point. You know, I look back at the photo, yeah, they got a point. But center mass is, you know, the rock goes right to your heart. It was kind of my idea, and and uh, he created her, and and uh, it's gonna make a cool T-shirt. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually right now. It's looking like February kickoff for uh, shows February seventeenth in the United States. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it'll be David Reese and Bangalore Choir. I'm working with Ten Thirteen Entertainment out of uh, Minneapolis, and that's kind of where I started. Minneapolis. So we're going to kick off in a club there and then the casino route. And there's a Vandenberg show in Illinois. He's going out with Tate. And I said, Hey, Adrian uh, and Matt, you know, that you guys aren't going with Tate at that gig. I think I'd like to be on in front of you guys. So I'm working on that too for the, I think it's the 17th of February. So hopefully that one happens, but uh, that would be a good yeah, double kill. Vandenberg and Reese, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, yeah. well, we are gonna. I'm gonna be at one of those shows. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna try to creep into Canada. I mean, it's uh, because you know, I got a lot of friends in Canada, a lot of great venues. I, I with Iron Allies. I don't know if I told you last time, but we had uh, got six gigs confirmed. We had it all laid out, and there's certain people in the band who refuse to play the old catalog live. And once they caught wind of that, we went from this really cool, affordable fee to, you know, not so affordable because a certain person refuses to play any of the history. And I'm like, it's just a medley. You know, <laughs> let's give them what they want. Nope, 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 nope. So then the promoters went, well, if you're not going to play those classics, we don't want you on stage. I mean, they were really excited. So I'm going to go up there and conquer it. I, I don't care. Well, absolutely, but yes, I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't. I play Eat the Heat. I mean, live. I, I mean, I play Generation Clash. I play D Train. I play Ecstasy. I play Hellhammer every night. I mean, it's part of my history, so I'm going to play it. 
Yeah, because that's what Mont and I were talking about the other day when we were listening. I mean, it's just like you have so much that you can play. Like, how do you choose what you're going to play? On that to topic today with the because I'm going to use some American guys, obviously, financial reasons stuff for next spring. Um, they're throwing songs at me that I forgot that I recorded. Like, this one's great. Can we do this? I mean, even back to like a circle of silence, like bring me a miracle. I mean, I had forgotten about that song and a lot of like uh resilient heart. They're, they're wanting me to play. They're wanting me to do stuff off of cacophony of souls. They're wanting, uh, you know, of course the new Bangalore album and the old Bangalore stuff. And of course eat the heat. So, you're looking at probably 90 minutes, you know, I can, I can handle on a pretty easy schedule, 70 to 90 minutes vocally. Cause that stuff, some of that stuff's in outer space, you know? Um, and I want to sing it like the record as close as I can, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to be able to have that problem though. Mm -hmm. Cause you we know, were everybody's talking though yesterday about, yeah, go ahead. We were I'm talking sorry. about how your voice has just kind of changed and matured and, it's, just, it's got more character than it's ever had, you know. Ah, it's got more depths of character. It, it's it's actually a, a uh, I'm mentioning this to Brett. Couldn't be a different is a, a Danish singer. I was born in Denmark, right? So, oh, where? a Danish singer name. Oh, uh, well, near Alberg. Ah, I know exactly where it is. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just a, it's a really little village there that I was born in. Sure. And, uh, uh, um, this is a Danish singer and couldn't like say totally different style of music, totally different, you know. But the character of his voice has always been one of my favorites. And his name was Fleming Bumsa Jorgensen. Ah. Bumsa, uh, and and which stands for giant teddy bear, Danish. <laughs> so he was like a big <laughs> dude, and, but very different style. But just the character of his voice always carried you and emotionally brought you in. And I'm like, that's. Over the years, I think that's what's happened with your voice. It's just even better emotionally bringing you in with the character of the voice. I don't know. I I, uh, I don't drink. I don't smoke. Chew a little tobacco. It's my only vice. Um, I try. It's it's a muscle, right? So you got to sing all the time. Um, I'm not one of these guys that'll take six months off and then go rehearse and get my voice kind of in shape and then do a tour or a record. You know, it's like, I'm always singing. I, I thank you for the compliment I have lost, you know, some range where I can't hit those notes, like on eat the heat, like I used to, but I have a way of maneuvering my way to them to where they're acceptable live. And I don't use backing tracks on that stuff. I refuse to do that. I mean, background harmonies, yeah, there are a few that I use because Bangalore's five-part harmonies, you can't, you know, not everybody in a band can sing unless you're the Eagles or something, you know. So, um, but I thank you. I've heard that a lot, and, and I don't realize it. You know, I don't think about it. Um, the other day in the studio, Mario said to me, there's, there's a certain cadence in your voice and a distortion that, when you're not over singing and you're not under singing, it's right there that he captured on this Viana stuff. And he's like, looked at my wife and Stefano and went, that right there is what I love about his voice. And I don't hear it, but he hears it. And then my wife goes, yeah. But, you know, I'm blessed to be able to still do it. You got guys like Glenn Hughes and Paul Rogers and, and stuff. And then that's always a singer's 
biggest nightmare. I mean, when is it going to stop? And if it does do that, I'm going to step out gracefully because I'm not going to go out there and hack through it like some singers we know that are doing that. <laughs> it's embarrassing, you know. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, we, don't, I'm not, we don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have to drop names. We all know who they are, but yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a money grab, and I get it. But I'm not paying 200 bucks to, you know, have a cat squeal in my ear, you know, when I remember <laughs> the glory days, you know what I mean? When I'd go to a show and go, God, that guy just ripped my head off, you know? So Well, and and nowadays it's captured on YouTube by 1,500 people. So, I mean, the second that you start going downhill, then then it's it's there for everybody to hear for the rest yeah. of the time. I know what what always amazes me is that I don't know if it's the singer's ego or what, but they go out there and they just keep doing it and they're just getting slaughtered by the media. I, it's got to be a money thing, but I look at a guy like Mick Jagger. I mean, let's just say my American president is the same age and Mick Jagger's up there doing the monkey <laughs> twist and dancing around. I mean, it's like two different human beings. I mean, and, you know, and I, certain people just have it paul rogers i saw live in a casino and it was no opening act he just walked on stage smiling and just he sounded like a 25 year old man soul i mean power i said i got it. and then i went to see a pretty famous band the following week at the same place and i left after three songs it was painful like you need to put the microphone away you've made the money we don't need to see it i mean bow out gracefully I mean, look at this guy, Dino Jelusic. I mean, he's the new he's the new kid on the block. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing about guys my age, which is as a singer, you know, you it's it's I don't know if it's a jealousy thing or what. You know, you, time gets us all. But um, there's a new the new uh, front line of guys that are stepping up. There's some great new young singers, and Dino is he's kind of the top of the hill right now. Uh, there's a few out there I've seen on YouTube. They're going, this kid might have a future. You know, that that's one thing about YouTube that I like. I can fish around and if I hear about a singer and go, oh man, that guy's pretty good or she's really good. And that's another thing about rock and roll. You see so many females now. I'm not really into the poking your tits out rock, you know, neoclassical stuff. That's not my thing. But there are some pretty good belters that are female out there that are making a lot of noise too. Oh, wow. Chicken Archin. Arch enemy chick. She frightens me, man. That little, little woman's <laughs> little girl's about five feet tall and she's got kind of, Yeah. Yes, I, I know. Because she's, she's got beautiful. clean and and she's yeah, she's I mean clean it's like cookie monster, it doesn't matter. It's 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 and you know, god damn it, she's beautiful too. It doesn't it's not it <laughs> makes an old man a little bit jealous, you know what I'm saying? She can do it all. <laughs> Uh, but such is the way of uh, of life, right? I mean, it's like every now and then somebody will come out and it'll just be like, seriously? You got everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my wife about that. The change of the guard, I guess, is the word I was looking for. You know, it's inevitable. You know, a lot of them are inspired by guys that I was inspired by, and they, they've got that 30 years youth against me. And I, and I sit back and go, yeah, kid, go get it. You got no idea what yeah. you're in for. <laughs> you know, I hope you get a hit song because this is a tough road to tow. You know, I mean, it's it's not an easy gig, and 
But like a guy like Dino, I admire. I mean, I did a gig in Warsaw with him. And it was a Ronnie James Dio tribute. Uh, it was a few years after Ronnie had died. And there was like 10 singers that night. And I shared an apartment with Dino and his father, Dario. I didn't know who he was. I, I saw him do a Badlands tune on YouTube. And that guy sounds like Ray Dillon. He went on stage, man. <laughs> it's like I was after him. I'm like, I don't think I want to follow that. Because he just <laughs> slayed it, you know. But, uh, and then he grabbed a keyboard, the old Edgar Winter style, you know, portable keyboard. And he was like doing double solos with uh, the guitar player, note for note, you know, and they just met. I said, uh oh, change of the guard. <laughs> well, I find it interesting because, because like Dino joined Whitesnake. And I know that before they had to cancel their tour, like Coverdale was getting Dino to do like a lot of the lead vocals on some of the songs. And, and you know, and I think I appreciate that as well where it's just like you know the fans want to see white snake like one last time and i think mm -hmm. david coverdale is getting to that point where he can't handle all the songs anymore and i'm not sure he can handle it from a health perspective either but uh but it's like to bring somebody like dino on to play keyboards but then also sing some of the lead vocals and handle that if you can't I, that seems pretty pretty smart. Well, the the buzz around the music community was that Coverdale was going to maintain the name and own it, and Dino was the new Dave, and he was going to take over all the lead duties, which I thought, that's some big shoes to fill, but that mm -hmm. kid could do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Coverdale kind of said, you know, I don't think I'm ready to put the, put the gun mm -hmm. down yet. But that was a big break for Dino, and then Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And Jeff Scott Soto was instrumental heavily on that because he knew dino from youtube and said bring this kid on you know he's he's got it so i mean he's got this argentina thing going and, and he's doing a queen tribute thing i mean the kid can sing anything and there's a few others out there that i'm i'm got my eye on too but you know i as you know i'm a i'm a, an old man and uh <laughs> you go ah damn it i wish i could still do that you know what i mean but you are it is what it is well it's and, cool though uh, that you're paying attention to like who's that you're paying attention to the, to the who's coming up like that so a lot of guys they just they don't seem to they don't seem to care like what I happens do. you know i want rock and roll to live what terrifies me is ai yeah. mm. i mean i i i yeah. watched brian may the other day and and i mean the craftsmanship of a queen song what went into that sure you got a guy like freddie but that doesn't mean that you know just because he can sit behind the piano and sing like a god that they didn't really put the effort to make that song as fine as it could be i mean they had literal fist fights you know if you read their history in the studio over ideas and with ai now from what i'm i'm understanding is if i get an ai program and say i want to here's my title i want it to be in this key and i want the story to go like this and can send you back 20 ideas you know, uh, what does that mean for music? That scares the hell out of me. And, you know, you still have to play it, but you didn't write it. You didn't create it. You know, I think there's just so much more to being a singer and an artist than a computer, you know, driving you down the road and using that resource that we're all blessed with, you know, a mind and a soul. Uh, that's that frightens me. 
Well, and we're going to lose we that. Hear, we hear so humanity. many. Oh, go ahead, Brett. Like, we'll lose that humanity, right? Because, like, that's the thing is sure. that that's where, like, when you listen to a lyric and and it touches you because because of the way that the singer sings it and, and it goes right into you, whereas something yeah. like that is going to feel much more mechanical than, yeah. but than it should. The flip side of that is what kind of a generation are we, the kids growing up in, where it's, it's the norm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I see a young, talented singer who's really singing and wrote that song, that's what I pay attention to. Now, I, I'll know if it's an AI thing because it'll all sound the same probably next year, you know. So that's why I'm supportive and I'm really going, hey, man. Now, the thing about, in my opinion, and that it doesn't matter, we've all got a butthole and we all have an opinion, but... uh. A guy like that, a young guy, you know, you've got all the accolades, you know, you're great, you can sing really well. But what brings you into your personality as a singer is that road dog time, that heartache, that the no, the door slammed in your face, the canceled gigs, the flu, uh, the bands breaking up, all that drama kind of creates an identity. Now, some guys take it way too far like i'm it i'm you know my shit smells like you know candy and and you know whatever i do is golden but but that's why i'm i'm excited to see young guys come out and do it you know what i mean and and i hope i'm making sense but uh when i see paul rogers come out and sing at his age it's just and tom petty <laughs> that guy could say more in three words than I could say in ten. You know what I'm saying? Those lyrics are deep. And the Wildflowers album. Um, I don't know what was going on with that guy during that process, but it, he really crawling back to you. Songs like that, and uh, it's just it, it's amazing to me. I'll sit and listen to it and go, God, it's so simple, but it's brilliant. Those lyrics make you want to mm-hmm. cry. They bring you back. 30 years, like Greg Allman would do to me in, in the Allman Brothers, and murder me, you know. It's a certain cadence and emotion around that word. Like Don Henley, uh, Kurt Mitchell used to always say, Don Henley drives me a little crazy. It always sounds like he needs a drink of water. But he made a point to me about <laughs> as, as a singer that Don Henley has this magical ability to put breath around the note when he's singing. There's an air around that note in the middle. And that's what makes his voice so attractive. Plus, he's an amazing songwriter. But you know what I'm saying? There's just some sounds, mm-hmm. you know. There are a lot of these bands that you see now that are here today, going later today. You know, they get on these TV shows and they get a record deal and you don't you forgot their name the next week, you know. I think that really hurt the music business, these talent shows. Um, didn't do anything for music. No, so it's a crash. So many of these, so many of these guys that that I I listen to that are my favorites, they don't have the best singing voice, but they're telling right. the best story. They got character. You know? <clears throat> yeah. So, who are some of your favorite singers? Uh, I'm a huge fan <laughs> of John Hyatt, for instance. Bingo. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and I love Lyle Lovett. 
<laughs> you know, so oh, it's, it's give like, me a break. Yeah. I mean, genius. I mean, that that's a character. I mean, physically, vocally, everything about him is a mm-hmm. full package. Yeah. And people for me are like George Jones, um, Conway Twitty. Um, going back to my roots as a country boy in Oklahoma, I grew up on that stuff and I can listen to it today and be brought to tears. Merle Haggard. Uh, Blaze you know, Foley is like, one of my favorites. Who? Bla- Blaze Foley is one of those old school uh, country are guys. You kidding? That, do you know? Yeah. yeah. Just love. It's, it's, it, 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 I mean, and yeah. this new guy that's out there, he's got the long hair and he sings like, hey, what's his name? He got the real low acoustic guitar and he's on everybody's band now, the real long hair and beard. He's a famous country singer, that guy. And then this Teddy Swims guy, have you seen him? No, no. He's a soul Teddy singer. Swims. Teddy Swims, Google that guy. He'll sing a, yeah. I Can't Make You Love Me If You Don't. Uh, Bonnie Raitt, he did the cover of that. It just, oh my God, it floored me. Wow. And he's, he's, yeah. he was doing covers on YouTube for years, and now he's got his own band. I mean, this guy, woo! Um, but you're right. It, 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 you know, it's a character and a tonality. You can, you know, you can be an average singer, but it's what you do in that song. And I maybe that's where mm-hmm. I've gotten. When you said earlier, I got a, I maintained it. I'm more focused now on being a songwriter than I was maybe ten years ago. I don't know. I'm, I'm writing a lot lately, and I find my lyrics are looking in. You know, maybe I don't want to get too deep in about me, but I'm a very observant person. I'm affected by what goes on around me. You can say something in this podcast and I might write it down and start a new song. You but know? I mean, but and and that's probably why it's hard for you to go back to Bangalore Choir, because I mean it's in that regard lyrically, just because it, it's it's like you don't write songs the same way now. Well, what happened was after Accept kicked me down the road, I, you know, I went out to L.A. with On Fire. My name was known and I'm going to get signed and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then Howard Kaufman signs me to management. I'm staying at Stevie Nicks's house. I mean, I'm demoing in her home studio. Her assistant is opening the door at night and she'd come in and hang out. I've got the best management in the world. But then all of a sudden, you know, the corporate guys come in and say, Aldo and John Bon Jovi are down at AM Studios. Go down there. They got a couple songs I want you to hear. Oh, I get to meet John Bon Jovi. You know, stupid me. So I go down there. There's John doing, you know, what's that, Blaze of Glory album. He was doing that at the time. He looked like he was <laughs> deaf because he'd been working nonstop for weeks. And, and they played me a couple songs and I picked one. And then Loaded Gun was written by the bass player that's in Sticks. That was, I hated that song. And my guitar player, Kurt, said, I'm not playing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And Denny Rosencrantz, the A&R guy who signed Santana, looked him in the eyes and goes, you're a damn fool. That's a hit song. And when it was released, it was the most added song to radio that week over all the other artists. Like 144 stations played it. He said, you guys got a hit on your hands. Congratulations. I mean, he was right. So... But, you know, to go back, I was working with Steve Plunkett from Autograph in those days, Angel in Black, and, and writing a lot of songs with him. And, and I learned a lot. You know, you go from being, you know, ecstasy and German metal 
And then you sit down with these guys that wrote huge songs. You know, if you don't pick something up out of that, there's something wrong with your head, you know. <laughs> I actually, I, <laughs> I can't get over that you're hanging out with Stevie Nicks. I mean, I was like. <laughs> I couldn't either. Wow. I mean, I'm sitting at the swimming pool and it's like 90 degrees and she's got a blanket on her little toes are sticking out. She goes, I'm freezing. I said, what? <laughs> I mean, and then, then she'd sit and tell me stories about, you know, her, her real love. And I'm like, oh, who is that? You know, and she said, Joe Walsh, but I blew it. You live with Joe Walsh? Oh, yeah. And I asked her about Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison. Ah, oh, Jim was the prettiest man on the planet, but he was a dick. You know, he was a drunken Irishman. <laughs> he was the prettiest man that walked the planet, but I couldn't get near him because he's such a jerk off because he was drunk all the time. But yeah, she knew all of them. You know, Jimi Hendrix's photographer was living in her house, Herbert Worthington. And when Jimmy died, Herbert had a nervous breakdown because they were like best friends. So Stevie's kind heart, she goes, come live with me. And he never left. So he was the guy that did a bunch of our photographs. I mean, I'm hanging out with these royalty, you know, and I'm like, what happened? You know, um, I'm sitting next to Stevie Nicks. And she's telling me going to write with Prince and and, and stand back and, and, you know, edge of 17 and, and <laughs> the little black man wrote those songs for me. And I said, what? He wrote those? He goes, yeah, he had like 50 songs and played me these. And goes, I'll take that one and that one. I was like, yeah, this will work for you. Go, you take it. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's amazing. She's an amazing artist. Well, I, I just saw, you You mentioned Aldo Nova. I just saw him uh, come out and play live for like, what was it? The first time in 30 years that he's, uh, that he's played live. And uh I mean, he he's got to work on his voice. <laughs> that, that's but but he yeah. he was trying. That's for sure. Jack Frost is playing guitar with him yes. right now. Jack's yeah. a good friend of mine, and and uh, you know Jack might even join me on some of these U.S. dates. I've Ooh. I've been kind of toying with that idea. Jack and I played a few gigs together uh, ten years ago. We're really good friends. Matter of fact, I they're playing Arcata Theater in Illinois, and a real good friend of mine down there, an Aldo fanatic. This well, I happen to know Jack pretty well. Here's his phone number. I called Jack, said, Can they have it? And he goes, Yeah, I'll give it to him. He's so nice. So they're gonna take Aldo and the band out to dinner the night before the show and get to hang out with Honeymoon Suite and Aldo. So it's like a dream come true for them. So you give back, man. That is awesome. because uh, I mean it's I love Aldo. We yeah, I mean we, we love both of those. I mean, Aldo <laughs> yeah, honeymoon uh, suite. Yeah. Like Canadians, yeah. you Canadians, there's something in the water, man. Honeymoon suite. Yeah, <laughs> there is, man. Aldo, lover boy. I mean, God, give me a break. That singer, Mike Reno. Whoa, what a voice. Oh, yeah. they're from Calgary. They're from Calgary. They're not only Canadian, they're Calgarian. Yeah. And that guy, I mean, I mean, it's amazing. It's the same. I mean, I, I saw some video of him like that dude can belt, man. Yeah. I mean, turn me loose. What a song. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is fascinating to, to think about all the, the Canadian people that came out and stuff because there is a lot of talent. Gordon Lightfoot. Yep. I mean, Rush. Yeah. Of course. yeah. Rush. Are you kidding me? I mean... You guys, you Canadians have spit out some something in the water, I think. Like the Swedes. I don't know what it is about that country, but they got some bands coming out of that country that are just, you know, you got heat, you got eclipse, you got what are you guys drinking? I mean, <laughs> great rock and roll bands, you know? 
Oh yeah, well, and like Eric Gronwald, they're singing for Skid Row now. I mean, he sounds great. I mean, I don't know where he gets it, man, but he he's like a little champ in chimpanzee on stage, and I'm glad they finally got somebody that works for the band, mm-hmm. you know. Skid Row's a damn fine rock and roll band. I, mean, I don't care what anybody says. And that kid just fit right in. First tour, you know, with the Scorpions. Not a bad way to kick off your <laughs> entry into Skid Row, yeah. right? <laughs> Ten-day residency in Vegas. Boom, there you go, kid. And we just talked to this uh, this young band called Wings of Steel. Their lead singer's Swedish. Uh-huh. It's just really a duo. These kids yeah. are good. Yeah. Real good. Wings it's, of Steel. Like, and, and, and you're like, it, you know, I mean, it makes you feel, makes you feel good for the future of rock and roll when you hear a band like, like this, you know, and you hear this, yeah. this, sing, this kid singing. Yeah. yeah and and they got saying. a good head on their shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they watch us fuck up, you know, I mean, us old timers and, and <laughs> they're fans of ours. They'll come up and say, oh, I love this, what you did. Well, I don't know who this kid is. And he goes, I'm the singer of, say, Wings of Steel, just as a topic. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard of you, but good luck, kid. And, you know, he's all excited and you know, the passion is there. And I'm like, you know what? That's what it is. I had that. I still have it. Just more of a maturation thing where you, you know. Is this song any good? <laughs> you know, I kind of, is this, and, that, and that's my biggest problem. I mean, the thing I don't like about the digital age is in the old days, we wrote songs in the hotels and we go play them live. And then we book studio time with, with our peanut butter and jelly sandwich money and go record two or three tracks. And then we play 350 shows a year. And now, you know, you're getting files and you're, you don't even know the guy, which is why I really like this band here because. I can see all those guys right now. I could call them and said, meet me at the studio. And if they're free, we're down there jamming. And we kind of work parts out. If you'll notice on the, you know, uh, center mass album, a lot of that stuff is me sitting with Nicolo and, and Ricardo and us, you know, discussing the song and oh, we could add embellish this, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot more. Plus we're playing live together. Whereas a lot of these bands now are just internet bands that, you know, get a contract and a, and a little bit of money to record at home in their bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I like to put the band and put, put the song in your feet. Cause it, what I realized as a singer also is that when you make a record and then you go out and play it, you go, man, I could have sang it this way and you're singing it a little better. You know, I, I miss that. It's like you're singing this new track that everybody knows on YouTube or on the radio. And then, Hmm. You know, if I'd have been the old days, I would have done it the right way. But there's the times we live it, you know, so. So then, well, you know, I mean, the Iron Allies album, we want to talk about that a little bit, too. Like, I mean, I love Herman. He's he's a he's one of the funniest guys that we've had on the show. But, <laughs> man, <laughs> hilarious. Like when you talk he's, about. He's hidden somewhere on the East Coast, the Eastern side of Italy. For two months, he's on the ocean. He said, I need time off. Goodbye. I haven't spoken to him. He just split him and his wife. So, I mean, all the best, dude. Go go recharge your batteries and we'll write a new album. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> yeah, he just, uh, like, there's some people and, you know, they're just automatically funny. And and I don't know that he means to be funny, but, but he just... <laughs> seems to be he's insane he's insane and i mean i love him for that he's out of his mind and then i 
when I was doing the demos for that record, I was actually at Mario's before the pandemic. Well, actually after the pandemic and I needed some time. So he had sent me uh, We Are Legend and Freezing, I think. And I just immediately fell in love with the riffs. And I went in to track it and Mario is not a metal guy. And he looked, stopped and he looked and he goes, who's that guitar player? I go, that's Herman Frank. And he goes, that guy gets it. Because Mario's a great guitar player. He goes, it's right here. Yeah. And it's sad because in Accept, you know, it's always the spotlight on Wolf, but it, the contributions that Herman applied to those songs really stand out. Restless and Wild, those records, I mean, that there's a lot of Herman in there. And, uh, you know, he was overlooked. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's a tragedy. Well, a lot of those guys were right because they they brought the they brought the the riffs, they brought the heaviness, and the and then you know because because Wolf, I mean, he's a great like he's got that neoclassical style. He can certainly do all the solos, uh, but but when it comes to like that that heavy duty riffage, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. Herman's got that in spades. In spades, his solo albums with Rick Alti. I mean, you listen to. Uh, you know, two for a lie, that record and uh, that kind of stuff. You can tell that he was an impact on those except records. He's very conscious of conscious. He's a very German style of that rhythm. He's very metal uh, on the on the snare, not behind it like the, the Americans or the English do. You know, he's on top. And he's real good melodically. He can he can hum a melody if he's got a, a vocal idea in his head. He's pretty good at that too. I love him to death. I mean, he's a. I, it's an honor to play with him. We have uh, Grass Pop Festival next year. We're playing that. We're playing a big one in Czech Republic. We've got a big one in December this year in Germany, an indoor deal. Um, a few others. We've got an agency out of Austria that's booking us and. The two of us, you know, the history kind of helps, you know, kind of like Peter going back to UDO. Mm -hmm. Great move. Yeah. Brilliant move. I mean, and that's another guy, Peter Baltus. Not many people know his influence of a lot of those Accept songs. He was one of the main songwriters and probably one of the greatest bass players that ever walked the earth. I mean, he's he's just got something. Kind of like we were talking about with singers. There's certain players that have that thing. You know, and having Sven, you know, Udo's son in the band, another great thing because he's young and he brings in that, I don't want to say industrial, but he's got that youth metal hunger, you know, behind yeah. the kit. Yeah. So, yeah, those guys are, you know, let, let's, let's admit it. There wouldn't be a Metallica or a, a Megadeth without Accept. Let's be mm -hmm. honest. I mean, yeah. They were the pioneer. They Definitely. kicked it open with fast as a shark i mean every metal head that bought that blood colored album i mean we were all like what is this <laughs> yes. uh, i mean they paid their dues they had some great breaks so you know in the beginning they opened for priest kiss motley iron maiden i mean they had a great door opener to really open that band's doors i mean they you know they deserve all the credit they can get yeah i mean i mean especially when they had when they had udo i mean i mean they just sound like a German factory band. Like it's a panzer. It's, just, it's a yeah. panzer. I mean, and uh, you know, to the truth of the matter is when he went back to the roots and was doing all except, he was out selling except. 
and uh, he's a legend. There's there's just something about him. And when I was in the band, I didn't get it. I mean, I covered some of their stuff in the clubs, and and I asked Wolf's ex-wife. I said, "What is it about him?" And she said, "He's one of them. He's the yeah. industrial factory Southern German guy that everybody can feel part of. He's one of them." And then and then somebody made a comment to me the other day, "What would Udo be doing if he wasn't lead singer? He'd be living under a bridge drinking beer." You know, I mean. <laughs> That's what he's made to do. He's he's Udo Dirkschneider, and I I I nothing but kudos and respect. He's seventy two years old, and he still sings seven days a week. And uh, when I toured with him on the Steel Factory tour, he had a bone infection in one of his legs and was walking around on a cane. And the doctors told him in Spain, "You you you need to go home, take these antibiotics." I will never cancel. <laughs> So he did the tour in total agony, refused pain medication. And I think we were playing Hamburg and the stairs were really high. And he had that cane and was going on stage, missed the top stair, face planted on this hard wooden stage, right on his face, walked out on stage and did the gig. I saw it happen. I thought it knocked him out. He just, they just picked him up and he walked out there. And I mean, and he said, did you see that? I said, dude, did you break your nose? No, my nose is too big to break. I've got a lot of fat on my nose. And he starts laughing, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Face plants, dude. I mean, and then right after it happened, of course, all the promoters are running around with these LED lights on every stairway. Like, you know, the stairs are black. There's no lights back here. It was bound to happen. You go, he could have really hurt himself. You know, but I, after the gig, I'm walking around going, who lit this place up? <laughs> oh, yeah, because Udo fell. Okay, I get it. <laughs> it. It'll be it'll be one of those moments when, when Udo dies, it'll actually probably be more of a shock than anything. It'll be like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a, it'll, there'll be an Udo Dirkschneider day in Germany. Yeah. I mean, he is, yeah. I mean, the people love that guy. I mean, I mean, he just, I mean, he's been doing it since like 1973. Him and Michael Crazy. Wagner were in a band together, the producer of Balls and those records. Michael was the guitar player. I mean, that, except was Udo's band. He came up with the name. He did all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy to think that that I mean he's out there. I mean that's the that's the year that Mon and I were born. I mean. Peter Baltus had made a comment in one of the interviews I read. He said, when I went back and worked with UDO, after I left Accept, he said, you know, I was freaking out, going, what am I doing? And he goes, the first chord and the reaction of the audience looking at Udo, he goes, now I know why. That's what he said. It was a great compliment. He said, it just, boom, it's Udo. And the people love him. He's a legend. And he said, I was kind of freaking out, you know, in rehearsal going, oh, is this the right thing to do? And he walked out on stage, and from the first note, he said, it's just the energy, you know. So it's funny because, I mean, you look at him, and, you know, people don't know him. If they don't know him and, and they hear him, it's always that voice is coming from that guy, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's just, it catches you off guard. Even after, you know, you see, you, see, you look at him, you go, that voice is coming from that guy. <laughs> and the you funny know? thing is, is, I mean, he can have 104 temperature and sing like that. I mean, I mean, 
when you go backstage, he's playing Candy Crush on his phone. And it's like he doesn't warm up. He just <laughs> does a shot of vodka and walks out every night and sounds the same. And there's no backing tracks. I mean, it's Udo. And you're like, he's bulletproof. It's He's one of those guys that just gifted. Like, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, he's kind of gotten weaker in the age. But he's kind of another one. You know, it's like scream your head off like that for 50 years. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. No, it, it truly is, because most, most people, I mean, they're going to totally wreck their voice within, like, five, ten years and, and then be done. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine standing in your living room and screaming for two hours a day for ten years? Well, Think I mean, about it. And Tom Kiefer talks about how, you know, he ruined his voice. He had to relearn to sing completely differently to, to do what he still does, because yeah. he, he ruined it, you know? Well, I and, mean, they slugged it out of the clubs re- re- for years. It from the... Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the surgery they did actually made it worse when they tried to fix his voice yeah. with the inject. They had to, they actually re- said, you'll never speak again. And now look at the guy. He's killing it. Mm-hmm. I always loved Tom. Yeah. I thought Tom, I think he's a rock star and a half. I mean, that guy's got the Steven Tyler kind of vibe with the low-hanging Les Paul and the old Firebird. I mean, he's just got this groove about him that I love. You know? Well, and and I mean, yeah. his his guitar playing too is spectacular. Are you kidding? That like guy, his slide guitar. Oh, uh, he's a he's a beast, man. I'm a friend of mine just saw him in Minnesota in a ballroom, and it was you couldn't turn left or right. It was so full. And I said, "How would he sound?" He said, "Yeah, I'll send you a link." And I went, "He's singing Shake Me," and you know, I mean, I'm like, just like the record, he's yeah. nailing it, man. Yeah, we used to share a yeah, rehearsal room with those guys mm, in wow. Philadelphia, except and they were doing long oh, cold wow. winter rehearsal. And you know, you'd hear them next door and, and uh the German band really didn't care for them that much, but I did because I had night what was it called? Night moves, the first album, night oh night songs, yeah. Night songs, yeah. Night and song, that song yeah. I need a shot of gasoline. I need a shot of gasoline. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? Then I saw him open for Bon Jovi, and it was like, hey, Bon Jovi, maybe you ought to just hang around backstage. It's going to be a hard <laughs> act to follow because they were you know, throwing their guitars around in time and you know, yep. they, all those songs. It was a, And I think, yeah, Winger was the first band, wow. and they had 17, and then Cinderella came on and just blew them away. Like seeing Van Halen open for Journey, I saw their first tour. It was like, what just happened? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh wow! What just happened? You know, it was Van Halen was first, Montrose was second, and then Journey with the Wheel and the Sky record, Infinity, I think it was. And Van Halen played for like forty minutes, and I knew a guy that I was playing with at the time, with Les Paul Zeppelin guy, (laughs) Jimmy Page guy. He literally put his guitar away for two years. He goes, "I'm finished. I I don't know what I just saw happen." I'll never be a guitar. It's over. I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Game changer, right? Oh, and, and I'm Wolfie. I mean, look what that kid's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he got oh, a, he's I mean, awesome. He, what a songwriter. I mean, that kid's got, well, the DNA, I guess, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I admire him. I yeah. mean, he's Lizzie Hale, Hailstorm. My wife's a huge fan. Turn yeah. me on to Hailstorm. That girl can squall too, man, and she can really play guitar. Fascinating, it's so fascinating. Yeah, she did. She did a song. She did uh, "Nobody's Fool" with 
uh, yeah, Tom that's right. Kiefer, and it's like a duet, and it's just like mind blowing. Yeah, it's, it's sick. Yeah. I mean, I mean that is yeah. up there, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah there's stuff. like like I said. I mean, I'm not gonna criticize. Only people that I'm going to criticize, and everybody knows who they are, is the ones that should put their hat on the wall because they've had yeah. 40, 50 years of an incredible reign. Go out on a high note, you know, like like Steve from Kicks. I mean, this is it. He goes, I don't want to suck. I want to do it right. You know, I saw Kicks in the clubs, and I thought, man, this band is going to break huge. They never got that over the finish yeah. line you know but they've always been a kind of a mainstay rock and roll band and it's like cheap trick robin zander there's another guy in his late 60s that's still singing his ass off and another girl that i really like is chrissy hein from the presenters mm, right yep oh yeah Fantastic. of course Fantastic. yeah opening for guns and roses right now crazy that's crazy yeah yeah because i'm gonna go see guns and roses but but i mean i've heard i've heard that you know weird things about axel and and that is and that he's pretty close to shot too so yeah it was painful to watch the uh lisa marie presley tribute when he played mm -hmm. piano that was that was but he was on tour it was the early day i'm a singer i know how it is but there's a there's a thing that the it factor in rock and roll you talk about less quality singers some of them there, Axel has the it factor, and it's undeniable. You cannot go out and sing for ACDC, yeah, and do that with a broken leg, and then go out and do Guns N' Roses selling out eighty thousand seats. There's something about it, you know. I admire him as an artist, but it's got this it thing that it's hard to put your finger on. Well, yeah, I mean, some bands. You know, when the stars line up, like say four guys, the Who, yeah. Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, there's mm -hmm. something cosmic about it where they all just there's a thing that just sticks. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and it's like, and it is unfortunate that Mick's not with Motley Crue in that regard. But like, when you think of those four members of Motley Crue, I mean, it doesn't whatever they sound like now, whatever they don't do now, it, it's like they had a magic from being together and, and that nostalgia has is, is endearing it's lasting and people are willing to go eh, vince can't sing but it's motley Crue. Mm -hmm. that to me you know i'm a little bit on the fence about that but you're right there's something about those four maniacs on stage that touch people yeah because because they didn't have to be the but, none, neither were the best at, none were the best at what they did no, look at Aerosmith. None of those guys, but Tyler, yeah. are like proficient, excellent musicians. But there's something about the the chemistry of those. Well, now without you know Kramer, but yeah, those songs, Stephen Tyler's personality, his voice, it all just sticks. Yeah, and well, that's and, timeless. And Joe Perry has that cool factor because i mean Joe yeah, he's got the keith richards down to a yeah. t man i mean yes. the guy came out with the blonde streak you know <laughs> i mean everybody was like ah keith jr and they were kind of like the american rolling stones in the beginning you know but they kind of morphed into their own thing errol smith you know yeah 
I read that uh, Jagger, amazingly, I was watching Keith Richards the other day, and they said that guy, they have a trailer that's just a gymnasium and a dance studio. He does an hour and a half calisthenics and workout, and then he does an hour and a half vocal warm-up every day. Wow. And he, they say he runs about 20K on stage per night. <laughs> 81 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, yes. Yeah. I mean, we're. I'd like to still be. You know, everyone's looking. Yeah, no, everyone's yeah. looking at Tom Brady and like, oh, look at Tom Brady playing to like, you know, mid 40s and uh, the, the diet he had to maintain and the, the you know, the. Uh, workouts he had to do just to be able to play to the mid 40s and it's like yeah mick jagger is doing the same thing well, he's you know almost twice the age well i think that goes back to your original thing about vo voice you know are you can are you are you in this you know are you are you for real and i i want to consider i'm for real i mean i will say that about myself i mean what i sing and i'm learning more about it the older i get but if I wasn't committed, I think it would show in the songs. And when you complimented this Bangalore record, made my day. You know, I mean, it's not yeah. exploding on the charts or anything, but the fans have been very warm about it. They said, man, you touched on that first record. How did you do that? And I don't know if I actually set out to do it. I knew what it had to be. Uh, but if you're not in it to win it, it's like the goats, like Brady and those guys. I mean, so what? He's 40 yeah. years old. He's throwing bombs and 80 yard passes. I couldn't catch one of those balls. It'd probably break my hand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like if you watch it and you just go, that's phenomenal. But I think if a person, you know, is, is dedicated completely to their craft, you can see it, feel it. We talked about Tom Petty earlier. I mean, when you, if you really want to delve into something that's deep lyrically, listen to Wildflowers. I mean, I don't know if you're a fan, but yeah, if you really, oh yeah, I'm what, a massive fan. Yeah, I mean, just the catalog of great songs that that man wrote. Yeah. I was kind of in the dark about it, and then I said, "Well, hell, I grew up with Tom Petty." Well, probably because I heard "Refugee" five hundred times a day on the radio, I got tired of it. <laughs> Then I delved into those B-sides and, you know, Room at the Top and songs like that after the divorce. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, this is this is deep. You know? No, I mean, it, it, like, it, yeah, Tom Petty is like probably our greatest regret because we always we always sat there thinking, oh, man, it's OK. You know, we're going to get a chance to see Tom Petty. We're going to get a chance to see Tom Petty. And then and then he passes away. And it's just like. Wait. You guys, yeah, you it was guys like have another, so many times. Another gem from Canada, Brian Adams. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. What an incredible songwriter and his guitar player. I can't remember his name. It's amazing band. I mean, yeah. I, I I listen to that guy sing, and I'm like, if you on the uh, center mass, I just want to love you. That ballad. I just want to mm -hmm. love you. I wrote that thinking about Brian Adams with Martin Cronlund in Sweden. Mm. Uh, Tonight, I just want to love you. Da, 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 da. I could hear Brian Adams singing that song. If he would say, hey, you mind if I track that? I'd go, 
please, please, please. Because <laughs> he would kill it, you know. And he sings really loud. You wouldn't think as loud as his voice is that loud and powerful, but it's really big. And he's still nailing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like, a, yeah, when, it, when I think of loud and big, then I certainly think of Graham Bonnet. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, you could put a fucking softball in his mouth, you know, when he starts hitting those, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's 78 years old. I know. It's uh, <laughs> so. So yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's going to be the that'll <laughs> be the interesting say? thing about the about the new generation is like you guys there. Yep, we froze. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, there you go. Oh, okay, we're now we're here. We locked up. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But like that'll be the interesting thing about the new generation is like is we we've been talking about all these guys and like they're like seventy eight, they're eighty years old, and can the new generation hit the seventy eight, the eighty? And and still and will will people you know in fifty more years still be talking about them and that like wow I can't believe that they're still going. I know it's a that's that's that that's a sad thing, isn't it? I mean, it. Jimmy Buffett, uh, David Crosby, uh, the people we've lost in the last six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the average age is seventy three. It kind of freaks me out. I mean. I, Okay, hard access, you know, in your twenties and thirties, you know that that era. But it's and uh, Robbie Robertson, another Canadian. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. that was that was shocking. I was like, what? Uh, then you guys got like Dylan, you know, what is he, eighty five, and he's still out there flunging around, and you know, he's. I mean, it's. I had no idea the accolades that guy's had over his life. It was just stunning what he's, you know, and then if you think, well, wait a minute, Hendrix covered Watchtower and uh, <laughs> Priest covered Diamonds and Rust and uh, that he wrote with Joan Baez. And you know, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. There's something to that too, you know, a little menace. Oh, he's a perfect example. Out. You know, that yeah. perfect example of it's, it's about the characters, about the storytelling is about the lyrics and the, you know and what you yeah. do with the voice and it, you know oh yeah and and yeah. it doesn't matter like because because i mean bob dylan is one of the worst concerts i've ever seen in my life but but at the end of the day i mean it's he's still bob dylan and it and it doesn't matter because people are going to go see bob dylan because it's bob dylan are they going to do that for the new the new lineup of the, of the changing of the guard that's one of the questions you ask are yeah. we going to have those yeah. icons who actually began this whole ride that we're on and you know when you jimmy hendrix is blown away by bob dylan's craftsmanship as a songwriter or the traveling wilburys oh we got to get dylan in on this he's perfect yeah sure i'll come down and play yeah you know i mean there's something roy orbison those guys you know uh seems like god takes all the great ones too early you know stevie ray and all these guys that are just breaking it you know, and then, you know, funny, isn't it? It is, yeah. And Roy Orbison, one of my three, Roy Orbison for for me, one of my three or four favorite voices of all time, <laughs> you know. I just That high, pure, angelic voice. Yeah. And there's an yeah. odd looking character. Okay. <laughs> this oh, guy yeah. was a, a super pop star, but he sang like an angel. 
Pretty Woman and all these songs that, you know, everybody needs somebody to lean on, you know. I'm so tired. I'm very Orbison kind of melody. You know, yeah, man. I mean, you're talking my language now, you know. Yeah. My wife's a big fan of Shine Down. She's really on a Chris Cornell kick right now in my house. And it's really funny here. The young people, 20s, are going back to Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. I think that kind of speaks volumes for that as well, because Mm -hmm. everybody burned out, changed our music, our life. But now people are going back and going, hmm, there was something to that. Look at the Foo Fighters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, how much did David Grohl, his input, did he have on Kurt Cobain? I think a lot more than we know about. Or it bled into Grohl working with mm. Kurt Cobain. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, but it's interesting because like the 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 cream did wind up rising to the top. It it just took I mean I mean they were always big, but but you know, I I think their contributions became more evident later. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And all those great singers are gone. Mm-hmm. Except Eddie Vedder. They're all so gone. Many. Yeah. I mean, probably five or yeah. six of the greatest singers on the planet all died within a span of five years. And and I'm not going to say I was joyful about it at all. I mean, it's a horrible thing. Uh, when I, well, when I, I was in the... Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just, just going to mention Andrew Wood from Mother Love Bone. I mean, like, Absolutely. he died super early, but I mean, the talent level on that guy was extreme. And who was, who was that band? That was all the star, uh, uh, Pearl Jam guys. They yeah. all kind of walked out of that and found Eddie Vedder in another band and Eddie Vedder and Cornell were roommates. And I mean, it's just amazing that rainy, nasty, shitty city produced some of the greatest, (laughs) you know, I mean, who talked about Seattle? Nobody. I dated uh, the singer from mother love bones girlfriend after he died. And she told me died on the toilet. You know, I mean, it's a horrible way to go, but she would tell me stories. I mean, they would just pack the clubs for a couple of years. I mean, they were huge just in that town. And then L.A. started yeah. hearing about this movement. Let's go sniff around and see what's going on, you know. But I find it ironic now that I can sit in a room and, and my wife, you know, she's close to my age and, and playing Audio Slave and Soundgarden constantly. So it's rubbing off on me. I'm going, man, that guy was unbelievable. Unbelievable singer. Chester Bennington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, like when I saw like when I really knew Chester Bennington was a great singer, it was uh, when I saw him just um, do an acapella. I think it was version of Adele's Rolling in the Deep just on YouTube. Oh, my God. I saw that. Yeah. And he just and it's just like, holy crap. Adele ain't no slouch to cover her. That's takes, right. She and, takes and it, big balls. And it was just like he was doing it backstage and just, just kind of off the cuff. Yeah. And that tells you where he came from. Mm-hmm. What he probably listened to and to unwind and, and, you know, get away from all that distortion in your head and all the madness and listen to a pure angelic voice. And 
no telling what those guys would be doing now. I mean, I, Cornell was going off kind of in the acoustic, you know, uh, nothing compares to you and all those songs from Prince and doing a lot of Lennon songs at the end. And, um, yeah, fabulous. Uh, respect. I bow my head to them because that guy, forget it. Forget it. No, I, uh, what do you guys I mean, think? What do you think of Ramstein? I mean, they're they're yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I like I I I know that their their music is great. Like like there's a lot of songs that are great, and yet I've never really been sitting there going, I got to listen to Ramstein. Like it's, they never really grabbed me emotionally, personally. When but I, I heard but I, whenever I hear them, I go. I, whenever I hear them, I go. That's really good. So yeah, you do know, some of those things. When that came out, I thought it was accept. It was like mm -hmm. 1990 something. Yeah. yeah, I'm driving in my truck going to work, and I hear Duhast, Duhast, because Wolf has a very deep voice. And I went, "Oh my God, accept have crossed it. They've really done it." I really thought <laughs> it was accept, and that's the German, you know, metal. And I said, oh, my God, except they've done it now. This is insane. Then I found out it's a band called Rammstein. Rammstein? What? They're like a phenomenon, though, you know, around, especially in Europe. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. Huge. Look at Metallica. Look at this tour. Oh, yeah. Is that a testament or what? I mean, playing two nights and a different set each night. And well, yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy. And then, and then being willing to bring out like top tier bands to to open for them. I mean, which is like bringing Pantera, Pantera. Bring Wolfgang Van Halen. Uh, I mean, you've got Five Finger Death Punch. So they're, they're yeah. certainly like they're, they're the kings, man. Yeah, they're giants. I mean, and Hetfield singing better than he ever has. God bless it. Bless him now. He's got COVID. I heard he canceled a couple of gigs, but mm. uh, that guy, I've watched a lot of that footage. That band is on fire and the crowd just can't get enough of them. I mean, they played Germany and, and like five soccer stadiums and they were sold out in minutes and to come out and and do it again like that and, and then say, hey, let's bring Pantera out, you know, because the respect for Dime and Zach and those guys, it's just like what a tour. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when when you think of that, and, and they've even added, I mean, because they've they've thrown in other things like cover bands before and movies and that kind of thing. So I mean, you know, hats off to them making it a complete fan experience. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I that gives me hope, you know. When they can play the B-sides, you know, from Ride the Lightning and, and, you know, one night and the next night play, you know, oh, do we have to do, you know, nothing else matters again? Why don't we play this? And the crowd knows every word and, and they're just like, Bleh! and then to I've see seen them going to different. No, I've seen Metallica going to different countries, different countries where it's like, and they'll, they'll pick a band from that country and play a couple of their songs that are, known only in that country but they know them you know and they and the crowd yeah. it gets the crowd going and you just go like they just yeah they just get it you know uh what's that song from diamond head that they did that broke it for him am i evil yeah i yeah. mean they covered yeah. that and and uh, i i was talking to brian and, and 
we did a couple of gigs with him opening for Diamond Head and we were sitting in the dressing room and he's warming up on guitar and he said, Bought me a couple of houses. <laughs> he said, yeah. I'm pretty thankful. I said, yeah, I guess you're right. He goes, I bought a couple of houses with that band doing it. I said, didn't work for us, but they loved us. They were big fans of Diamond Head. And I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. They were, they'd come see us whenever they could and, and just nuts about us. And, you know. But you're right. I mean, we're getting to a point now where Halford, Biff, you know, these guys aren't young pups anymore. So no. the new guard, no. are they going to have that impact that Rob Halford is when he walks out on a stage? You know, can't take your eyes off him. He's the metal god. He is the, the metal Udos. god. Yeah. And uh, and he's still singing pretty damn good for his age. And, and you know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something I think about a lot, especially when, when you pick up the phone every morning and so-and-so passed away. And it's like the least person you would expect, you know. It's funny because like the tributes for David Crosby were pretty strong for two days, but this Jimmy Buffett thing is really a lot of people are saying, Hey, this song, that song. And I mean, my manager, when I went with Bangalore, Howard Kaufman managed Jimmy Buffett. And he told me this office in, in, in Beverly Hills, all this staff and these lights and all these expenses, Jimmy pays for that. I mean, Jimmy yeah. can go out and play and sell out every show within minutes. Jimmy Buffett's my main artist. And I said, really? He goes, I've been with him from the beginning. You know, and he said, Jimmy keeps the lights on. His people love him. Well, he's you know? just one of those guys, right? Like, that it didn't matter what he did. And, and he just kind of, because I, I think it was like, you never felt desperation from Jimmy Buffett. Like, some bands, you can sense desperation where it's just like, oh, I got to. I got to do this. We got we got to get a hit. Jimmy Buffett <laughs> is one of those guys where it's just like, nope. I just I just go out and I do what I do. I'm gonna have Margaritaville. We're gonna we're gonna do this. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, I'm gonna write from Monday, having to go do a gig and miss my wife and number one hit, and that was the one that broke it for him. And then Margaritaville, I think, came out on the next record. Um, but you know, you have the whole phenomenon of the parrot heads, the sharks. Yeah. All these people dressing up mm -hmm. goofy, kind of like the Grateful Dead. You know, John Mayer is playing with them now. And to hear John Mayer say that Jerry Garcia's guitar playing was so extraordinary, it'll take six guitar players to play what that guy was doing differently every night. I just watched that before I called you guys. And John Mayer ain't no slouch. Mm -hmm. And he said, no. playing the dead is, it's a privilege. And I'm like, huh? But look what they did. I mean, deadheads from around the universe around europe everywhere followed them yeah and they 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 welcomed bootlegging report us you paid for a ticket you know it's your music when we leave here we're done playing you know take it home with you and if you want to press records and, and make cds and sell them go do it i like that i kind of like that you know but those okay. days are gone yeah, yeah. But but I mean too, it was different back then, I think, because because it was just recording. Like you were recording nowadays. I mean, it's it's crazy because it feels like this next generation of fans is living is watching the concert through their phone. Where you're not even it's it's like you're barely interacting with the with the band. You're you're interacting with the band through your phone. And I hate that. I yeah. mean I, I I you know, if I do a five hundred seater, right? That's the kind of level artist I am. Well, you know, honestly. 
sell it out, that's a great thing. But if there's 300 people there and I go back to the hotel and I turn on my phone, there's my show being shared. Some phones sound worse than others and they're going, oh, you know, but they're sitting at home drinking that 12 pack. I don't want to pay that 20 euros to go see Reese sing. And it hurt us. You know, it, it's, uh, I mean, I understand the drinking laws are, are pretty serious and stuff like that. And people get older and they got kids at home. That's another thing. I know our generation, you know, we're family people. We got other responsibilities. This young guard that don't have a wife and a bunch of kids at home can go out and carry the flag. Spend, you know, 300 days away from home. I could do it too. I mean, my wife is like, get out of the house. I don't want to see your face. Go go play. I mean, I'm lucky. <laughs> you know, I really am. I mean, I know a lot of guys that they they can't, you know. They got careers yeah. because music really didn't break for them. So they went to college and got a degree in science or whatever, and they're doctors. And, hey, can you fill in in the ER for me for like 10 weeks? I'm going on tour in Europe. What? <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. Yeah, those kind of things. Uh, well, yeah, we were actually just talking to Todd Kearns about stuff like that. Just that that he wound up pushing through and just and just constantly being on that. Like, no, I'm going to keep going with this. And, the guy that I really respect is Blaze Bailey. I love. Blaise. I'm doing. I mean, some... we, he's he's <laughs> one of our favorite people too. He's, yeah, man, I'm doing guy's... gigs with him next year. I'm doing a bunch of gigs with him in Scandinavia and. You know, his health issue and everything. Thank God he came through that. But Blaze is the kind of guy that'll go play for 50 people in England in a in a in a pub and play like he's playing in front of twenty thousand people. He'll play every night of the week. Kind of like Udo. Yeah. Yeah. He just he's, yeah. he's a workhorse. And I, I I admire guys like that. You know, he's gonna he's carrying the flag for metal. I mean, Blaze is a work a workaholic. And uh I'm and really looking got, forward to those gigs. Yeah, because his personality, wow, that guy, that guy's got a personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's got a hell of a voice. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's amazing. a hell of a songwriter. People yeah. forget that, too. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, just the, the how he layers his albums together and, and, you know, tells a story. That crosses well, through multiple albums and, and just just great. He is the the one man machine too. I admire him for that. He does everything from home. I mean, you know, uh, with his videos and he's marketing himself. I mean, the guy is a, a marketing machine, and his fan base they're drawn to that. I mean, he doesn't have the big label on his neck. You know, he plays Bailey. I'm gonna play. And I admire people like that too. Because once you get into that corporate realm of, uh, well, I don't hear a single or whatever, what's a single anymore? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing. I, I mean, I'm scared also with, you know, with this AI discussion we had that everything will be completely digital and record companies are just going to put out one song. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to listen to a, a band I like on my phone. <laughs> I want to look at that blue girl on the cover of Center Mass, and I want to look at my solo album cover artwork and, and smell it, listen to it, put it on my shelf, put it in a frame. But I don't think that people now, it, it's such a McDonald's drive through market. You know, it, it's like the information overload. Yeah. 
Well, it and is. I also think YouTube videos, I don't know what you guys think of that. It seems like, let's say Iron Allies, we came out and did a pretty big splash, right? But I've released some, I've made videos with Niccolo from my solo band of a festival we did. I did Fear No Evil and Martyrs Burn. Fear No Evil did really well. And then Martyrs Burn came out, the Sabbath kind of song. And the views viewership is really tailed off. I think if you, too many videos, there's so many videos coming out every 15 minutes, you know, one in a million gets oh, yeah. a million views. Well, you know, I yeah, heard, yeah, it's tough. It's really, it's just madness, you know. But and then again, if it's a great song, then you see 32 million views, you know, in one year. And you're like, whoa, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, YouTube's about the rabbit hole. If you if you wind up uh, going down the right rabbit hole, then then I think, you know, and finding those people that, that connect down that, that hole but otherwise i mean it, that's that's also the it's it's the positive and the negative because that rabbit yeah. hole can lead you away just as fast i think so yeah and i'm not the guy that knows the answers i mean i'm not sure i mean what irritates me is a guy that owns spotify i mean he's got more money than oh, Paul yeah. McCartney, and he never played an instrument mm -hmm. he's just a really smart guy that figured out how to rip off the artists and the fans because he saw this thing we're talking on and said, well, I could just stream that music and uh, hmm, yeah, I'll make billions. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's disgusting. I, I cannot, I, I mean, and every artist feels the same way about them, obviously. You know, I mean, unless, unless you're like a, a level that, that you're actually making money from it, but that's so rare. I mean, most people, they just, I mean, what is he paying, like two cents a stream or something like that? Something ridiculous, Less, just like, half, half, about you a know? Half a cent. Okay, I'll give you a, a, an example. 160 plus thousand streams on one of my my songs. I got uh, 60 euros. Oh, my God. 160,000 one month. And I'm like, woo! <laughs> and I did the rundown. All the affiliates that are connected to Spotify and then... And I looked at it, and it was less than half a cent per stream. So it was like 60 euros or something I got. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa what is this, you know? Yeah. And there's a small community of vinyl collectors like you and me and him. And, and, and uh, my wife's got a basement full of vinyl. You know, we have a massive collection, CDs everywhere. Um, but the convenience that's one thing i don't want music to be as convenient you know it yeah. kind of takes away the whole magic of it yeah mm -hmm. yeah and the, and the and the, yeah. that is the thing about vinyl like vinyl is is like really one of the most inconvenient uh formats out there but that's that's the great thing you gotta you gotta Put, turn on the record player you got to flip it up you got to put the vinyl on you got to change sides you got to deal with the needle you got to deal with the you know the tone arm being being heavy enough and stuff like that uh, i mean you have to worry about keeping your vinyl in good shape so that it's not gonna so that it's actually still gonna play but but there's a you know but at the same time there's a ritual and a joy to that ritual great word Great, great concept. 
When's the last time you saw a new car that came with a standard CD in the dash? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ten years no, ago? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all it's all just digital now. I mean, you plug your device in or you or you connect via Bluetooth and you're and you're done. Uh, and I kinda liked, you know, oops, I dropped all my CDs on the floor and my my muddy boots and oh I scratched the hell out of that. I gotta buy another one. Or, you know, <laughs> reaching in the back seat trying to drive without getting in an accident. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But then you back then you had the big book, right? And the plastic sleeve and you go look for all the favorite CDs and you know, and then you had the five player and you you know, you just drive for hours and, and uh, but now it's a little square stick that you know, you just stick into the dash and you know, yeah. you download that from what we're talking on or whatever, and there's your music. And I don't know, I miss that. Yeah, and well, and that's yeah, the thing, right? Like, my my son is 15 years old now, and and like I'm super happy because the music now that he's getting into, he's getting his like King Crimson is his favorite band. He's listening to Rainbow. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. He's just getting into all of this stuff and and like basically by osmosis, and and I'm ecstatic about that. But at the same time, um, he does listen to it digitally because any but then he does playlists because that's what he knows. Now that being said, yesterday we went out, we did some final shopping together, went looking for King Crimson and Rainbow and stuff, and so I'm just hoping to kind of give some of that to him as well. But but at least. You know, it, it gives me a little bit of hope that he that he's it's like King Crimson. Seriously, yes. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That's cool. That's really cool. I mean, my kids, uh, my stepsons are. Well, the oldest one is is um, a Pearl Jam and Soundgarden fanatic and Nirvana. I mean, that's all he listens to. He's playing a little guitar now, and and uh, I'm upstairs. You know. <laughs> You know, and it's like, that's cool. Or he'll play a Led Zeppelin song and, uh, you know, that, you know, pass the torch, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about the industry. You know, but back in my day, if you didn't do, uh, well, when I first started 500,000 units, they threw you out under the bus. Uh, if you did a million, even better. But then, like, right around uh, 89, 90, if you didn't do three million, you didn't get a three million platinum party. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you may sell two million, but they're not going to throw the big party where everybody's posing with the, the the vinyl or the platinum record. You had to do three million to get the big luxury, you know, executive party, and that kind of freaked me out. I go, "What do you mean they sold two two and a half million? They're not going to get a three million party? I mean, what what are you talking about?" And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It. it, it I mean, I have a gold record on the wall from Accept Eat the Heat. And when I was out of the band, I had to, I, I where's mine? <laughs> oh, you can buy it for 600 bucks. Jeez. Seriously? <laughs> so a fan <laughs> in Scandinavia brought it to me. And he goes, "This you earned this. I'm like, damn right I did. Yeah. But I had to buy it. It could be Black Sabbath. But one thing that's shocking now, when you go back, let's say 1990, if a record now does 5,000 physical copies, it's a success. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, you did 5,000 copies in 88, buddy. 
you're afraid to make that phone call to the label. How's the record doing? I mean, <laughs> they ain't picking up the phone, number one. You know, they they got a tax write-off of a million bucks that they've invested in the record. You know, they get their money back, but yeah, you're gone. You know, now it's considered a triumph, you mm-hmm. know. Well, because everything streams. So it's just like yeah. they're only looking and, and it's singles. I mean, like that's the weirdest thing is, is that it's like an artist doesn't even have to release an album. You can just release like 10 singles over the over the course of a year and a half. And it's just like, oh, that's good enough. Yeah, it's weird. But so you got to go out and tour because that's where you make a living. Mm-hmm. You can make it's not just know, it's. It's not just music that way, though. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of things. Like we, you know, we got our graphic novel. The the amount, like it used to be, you know, you would sell ten thousand copies, and you'd be fine. Now, if you sell five hundred, it's a success, right? Like, yeah. it, it, like it's changed in a lot of businesses where it's, it's a lot of industries where anything that can stream or be digital has changed yeah. you know i mean the the business model for movies everything has changed because of this stuff yeah i think it's i think it's culturally for my generation it's destroyed the the joy of going to the movie theater you know standing in yeah. line and getting my popcorn and my my soda and going sitting in a nice chair and watching a movie now you got netflix and all these options on my tv i can't even turn the damn thing on it's like a spaceship you know, <laughs> my wife just shakes her head because I just don't get it. But I mean, Netflix, you got 50 shows in a series. I'm like, how long is this thing going to run? I mean, how many did they pilots did they shoot? I don't know what, you know, it's crazy. You know, it's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, so you know, it's changed a lot. We're all music. You and I, yeah. all three of us are music lovers. That's who we are. Oh yeah, and that will never change. Nope, sure as hell never. No. It's like loving a dog, you know. Music loves you back just like a dog. I mean, timeless, endearing love. You know, you can pick up that record with a bad day and play that one song, and you feel better. You want to get wild? Put on that song that makes you wild. It's a, it's a mid emotion, right? Yep. There's the two, two of the greatest joys for me is a putting on a song I know I'm gonna love and experiencing that love again, or discovering a new song that's as good as that song that I that I loved before. Like yeah. those two joys, music gives to me. You know, nothing beautiful. else. Nothing else compares to it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's uh, music is part of our absolutely. It's part of our. I don't know what it is in our bodies and our spirits. There's something about notes. I was in Germany a couple of weeks ago and I played the castle in front of it. And we went inside and this old blue blood family owned it. And the owner had just died, the main, the oldest guy. And I went into this big room and there's this ancient piano. And I started talking to the, one of the maids and she said, you know, Bach played here. I said, what? Wow. And I'm standing what? in this room and there's all these high back chairs and this. And she said, yeah, and Beethoven, he was from Bonn. He would come here and play. And at the, when he started to go deaf, he could hear certain birds, the notes, right? 
And she said he would walk out there in the back, family history would say, and he would be composing on pieces of paper with a quill pen. And he would hear the, the melody from birds singing and compose from that. That's all he could really hear. But in wow. his head was a complete symphony. But he would hear like the note of a certain songbird and go, ah, that would be great for the flutes here or the violins. And that's, to me, just blew my mind. And she said Mozart had been formed there. And I'm like, wow, I'm standing in this room. And you can almost feel the ghost of these people, the smell. The gigantic round room with round doors like the White House, you know, and, and what kind of debauchery went down in this room? <laughs> you know, this is like a an Aerosmith backstage party in 1980, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, I bet you they got wild here. You know, Wolfgang was brazen hell in this place, but it was pretty cool. That is awesome. I mean, those kind yeah. of things. Yes, I mean, that that's... You know, anytime you can get someplace where there's so much history, then it, it does it does mean something. It's like going to the Fillmore, right? Or if you go to uh, what was the club we talked about earlier in, in Calgary? Oh, 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 yeah, Frankie and Johnny's and, and Johnny's and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's certain clubs that I play, like in Nottingham, Rock City. You go down in the basement; it's the punk area. The the floor is so sticky. If you stood too long, you couldn't move. Vomit <laughs> smells like piss. But what went down down there during the Pistols days and all that stuff, you know, that movement. And then you go upstairs and it's the rock theater and the bands that have played there, right? And certain venues like The Chance in Poughkeepsie, New York, everybody's played there, you know, everybody. And you walk and you're standing on that stage and you're you're looking over and you're going, ah, man, you know, Steven Tyler started in this place or... They slept in a van, you know, and then this is where they kicked it off. And then they went down into the city and then they played Boston. And, you know, it's, the his, it's historic, you know, I mean, yeah. and the sound in those places, you know, those old theaters, they just built them to sound good, you know? Yeah. Like when you talk to promoters hear- now, it's go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, when you talk to promoters well, now. I was talking to a promoter a couple of years ago and our age, right, was we were talking about aging people and and he said the hardest thing for me to do booking say like a Kiefer or a brett michaels and stuff is i have to have seating because people in their 40s and 50s can't stand on a concrete floor for three three hours <laughs> and he goes they always ask me how close is you know they'll google the closest hotel what food is being served and do do you have seating because my wife or my husband can't stand up that long we really want to go so they have to book these venues that accommodate this generation. Yes. And I'm like, he's going, man, if it's not, if it's not bad enough that everything's being streamed and nobody's buying tickets. Now I've got to book bread on a, a, a 1000 seat venue. That's got 800 seats. So people can sit down and go every rose has its thorn, you know, and try to put on yeah. a show and jump around and be a monkey on stage and be a jumper when everybody's sitting down going, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> They're not right there in your face, you know, making faces and, you know, spitting beer at you and, you know, push up against the barricade. It's a whole different ballgame now. And he just looked at me and went, what next? You know what I mean? It's like, sure, though. I mean, I'm sitting there. 
I'm I'm sitting there going, please tell me there's seats. Like I'm at that age, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, please tell me I can sit. Like I'm getting yeah. up for certain songs and but uh, yeah, yeah. Between, you know. And you're sitting yeah. behind a guy with fifty, you know, ten thousand people with phones in the air. Yeah. And you're trying to look around and say, oh, there's the singer. Oh, there's the guitar <laughs> player. Yeah. What was it? And England is funny because you have a curfew, right, for the trains, the mm. tube. I think oh, it's yeah. 11, 11 o'clock. So you start, if you're the opening band, you start at 7.30, right? You play for an hour, change over, headliner plays for an hour and a half, then everybody's running out the door to catch that last train back to their village because they're drinking like hell and they don't want to drive into the city or wherever it is. They get the tube and pass out and wake up and you know <laughs> in their train station. So that's a whole different beast too, you know? Do they have tube service? Well, the tube doesn't go close enough. That means I'll have to walk about five kilometers. Well, I'll wait till you come closer. Yeah, I'll wait till next year. If you could book a date, and you get that a lot, right? Uh, if you play my city, I'll damn sure be there. Okay, I'll tell the booker to book St. Louis just so you don't have to drive 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but no, I'm playing four, four hours away. You can't drive there, you know, and I get it, you know. Well, that's four hours away. And man, I used to drive eight hours to go see Alice Cooper or something and sleep yep. outside and wait for tickets. You know what I mean? General oh, admission. Yeah. I mean, but I was 18, you know. So Oh, you know what? I mean, I don't I don't care. I'm 50. When you go to Minnesota, I don't care if I'm driving all night to I'll be there. Oh, awesome, man. Because I, I know we're gonna play like Turtle Lake Casino. Uh, we're going to play uh, the 47 Club in Fridley, Minnesota, which is the north side of Minneapolis. Um, yeah, I'll put you guys on the list, man. Come back in the dressing room. Let's hang out. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be there. We'll be yep. there. Awesome. Absolutely. For sure. Awesome. I mean, well, I, I, I'm, I, I'm I traveling to... regularly to go see Alice. Yes. We're still yes, traveling awesome. to go see Alice regularly. So. Yep. Awesome. And uh, I'll, I'll hook you up and do whatever I can to make your trip more comfortable and stuff. I have a lot of friends in the area. So uh, what I'll do when I start announcing the first dates, uh, uh, I'll just I'll, you'll see it on my page and, you know, send me a message or I'll send you an email. And say, hey, I'm playing here on this day. Uh, maybe you could yeah. come to a rehearsal and hang out and meet oh, yeah. the guys. And- For sure. No, one hundred percent. But unfortunately, I got to go. Uh, I have to. Yep. Uh, I have to go work out. So I'll just say it. You got to pee. So do yeah. I. <laughs> <laughs> that always exists. <laughs> We're at that age, dude. It's time to pee. But uh, but David, yeah, we 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 love you so much, and uh, we love you too, brother. God and- bless you both. And I'm so excited that we're going to get a chance to uh, to actually like connect live and in person for a change yeah. next year because that's going to be awesome. But uh, yeah, man, but- I mean, I'll feed you and and we'll play a rock and roll show. And and uh, like I said, if you got travel problems, just let me know and I'll, I'll I'll make some calls and see if I can get you a place to crash. And you know, we'll make it fun. Oh, we'll make it work. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. And, All right. Uh, and we'll then we it. will we will hand you a physical copy of our book, and it will be exciting, and we'll all love it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's yes. There's a whole list of people we thank, but you know whose name is number one? You know who the first name we thank is? That's right. You guessed it. Really? In the, in the list of thank yous, the first name is yours. And wow. thank actually, you. That's amazing. 
it's funny because the guitarist uh, plays a plays a big like festival, uh, puts on a big festival. One of those people that's playing in that festival is you. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> now you got my interest. Now I, I got to show that book up. You know, we should do like a podcast maybe that night of the show, like in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We Absolutely. do a live stream. Yep. Hang out and promote That'll your book. Great, yeah. And uh, you know what I mean. And then I can zoom in. Yeah. And go, See that name right there? That, that's me. <laughs> that's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The picture. The picture we get up. Yeah, we all these fake band names that are playing the show, and then one real name. And then you. <laughs> I live in a world of make believe, so it's perfect anyway. So, well, God bless you, brothers. All right, and uh, please just Thank tell you, everybody, uh, as per usual, tell everybody how they can keep up with you. Absolutely, um, David Reese official. Facebook, Instagram, you know, um, Cherry Red Records has uh, Bangalore Choir, Center Mass, uh, Iron Allies is on AFM. I have a new solo album in the can, which I'll be announcing soon. I have two labels that we're at war right now. Um, money. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to pay for it, but uh, I got one guarantee that probably I'll fall back on. Uh, I'll know at the, in the middle of the month. Uh, yeah, if you want to find me, I love to chat. Messenger me. If we're on the friends list, just say, hey, what's up, dude? I'll say, what's up? You know, ciao from Italy. And, and uh, again, best of luck to you and the book. Buy their book. And uh, if I can help in any way, just let me know. Link, link, it, link it to my page, man. Go ahead. Advertise all you want. Yeah. You bet. Well, and thanks, uh, I, I got to tell you, right now, right now, Cherry Red Records. If you go to get Bangalore Choir Center Mass Two CD Edition, out of stock. So, uh, out of stock. You got to be quick. Out of stock. Whoa! It's all That's about good that. news. A funny thing that my yeah. manager didn't happen to mention <laughs> that to me today. I'll have to make a phone call after I after I pee. Yes, that's hey, we're out of stock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I love All you. Right. Right. We love you. Thank too. you very so much. much. Right. Take care, brothers. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.
Tonight